You got to accentuate the positive. I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. Welcome to ATP Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life. Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Hi, how are you going? You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation and psychic medium, accentuating the positive for the next hour here on Soul Traveller Radio. It's my intent to present more empowering and loving messages through our media, more love in the media. So I present inspiring stories from people all over the globe who break down the barriers of prejudice, judgment and hatred and uplift our world with their stories and their messages. You can listen to some of my interviews on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Soundcloud, Soul Traveller Radio. Please subscribe and support Positive for Media you can stay up to date with the show on Accentuate the Positive Radio with Karen Swain on Facebook or go to karenswain.com and you'll see most of the podcasts there. In this hour on Soul Traveller Radio, I'm talking with Garnet Schulhauser, a conservative corporate lawyer turned spiritual author. He met his spiritual guide, Albert, as a homeless man in 2007 and Albert took him is still continuing to take him on astral journeys, out-of-body experiences, showing him some of the things that are going on in our planet, good and bad, and the worlds beyond our world. In his third book, Dance of Heavenly Bliss, he has more adventures with Albert in non-physical, but a lot of adventures with spirits that have been incarnate on this planet as very famous people and different life forms that have been hidden. It's really a fascinating conversation. I hope you enjoy. Hello, welcome to Accentuate the Positive Media. I'm Karen Swain, a teacher of deliberate creation and a channel and a medium. I teach people how to clean up their thoughts and how to be more deliberate with their creations as we're going to discuss with Garnet Schulhauser, who is my guest today on Blab. So exciting to have Garnet. Garnet Schulhauser is the author of three books. His third book has just come out and that's what we're going to discuss today. Hello, Garnet. Lovely to have you on the show again. Hi, Karen. How are you? <laughs> so Garnet's story is fascinating. And if you're wanting to know his story of how this phenomena happened that we're going to talk about today, I'd head over to my website, karenswain.com. I did an interview with Garnet last year, actually, because Garnet contacted me and said, I'd love to be on the show and this is what happened to me. And I was like, whoa, I want to speak to this man. He sounds fascinating and I wasn't wrong. But what was really interesting, when I spoke to you last time, Garnet, I had not read your books. And then you sent them to me after the interview. And I was so blown away at the questions I asked you because they were really covered in the book, you know, the conversation that we had. So there's those fabulous intuitive skills kicking in, even as an interviewer, which was great. But this time, Garnet sent me his third book recently, and I've read it. And I have to say, I've read it at least three or four times since. And I've, I take out different chapters, and I think, I want to revisit that chapter again. Now, what did he say about that? It's just wonderful. Garnet's first book is called Dancing on a Stamp. The second book is called Dancing Forever in Spirit. And the third book, just being released, is called Dance of Heavenly Bliss. Dance of Heavenly Bliss. And all the titles have a meaning. 
Do you want to discuss the titles? Sure. The, the first, my first book, Dancing on a Stamp, it was during the course of one of my conversations with my spirit guide, Albert. And I happened to be that day complaining about something that wasn't going right in my life. And so I voiced my concerns to Albert. And he said, I know what your problem is. He said, imagine that the world you're living in is like a big, beautiful ballroom. And that the band is playing fabulous dance music. And everyone around you is up dancing and swirling around the whole ballroom. But you're stuck in one spot like you're wearing lake shackles. He said, you've got to break out of your, your comfort zone and quit dancing on a stamp. And so that phrase stuck in my mind. And that was, when I was looking for a title for my first book, I thought, that's an interesting sort of phrase. So I, I asked him, would that make a good title? And he said, yeah, go for it. So that's the first book. And then the second book, at the very end of it, the second book was my first set of astral adventures with Albert. And at the end of that, he said to me, remember that metaphor I told you about, uh, about being in this big, beautiful ballroom? He said, well, you've done a good job. You've actually broken away from your shackles. You started to move around the whole ballroom. And he says, and at some point in the future, you're going to move out of that ballroom. Uh, you know, you're going to go out into the outside. You're going to basically walk up a moonbeam that's floating on the water. And, and you're going to hear, turn around, you're going to hear music for the ballroom, which will be Irish music, for like, like the kind that you heard when you were a youngster. And he said, and, and at that point, you're going to continue to be dancing. You'll be dancing forever with spirit. And so that was where the second book came from, title came from. The third title has to do with a merger of souls on the spirit side, a very ecstatic, exhilarating merger uh, where souls just sort of join themselves together, merge their energies uh, into a, a wonderful, uh, exhilarating feeling at which they call over there the dance of heavenly bliss. So that's where the third title came from. Like having sex Something when to you're look a spirit. To. It's, sort of, it's sort of their version of, uh, well, I don't want to say it, but it's sort of like their version of sex, only much a Absolutely. More. Absolutely, yeah. having sex when you're in spirit. Mm -hmm. So Garnet's story is he worked for uh, over 30 years as a, a conservative corporate lawyer and was walking down the street one day and a homeless man stopped him and asked him, why are you here? I'm not going to go too much into the story because it's all on the first interview. But that homeless man turns out to be your spiritual guide and you had a contract before you came in that this would happen and he would wake you up. He took his time waking you up. I mean, you're in your mid to late 60s when he appeared. Actually, Nothing late had a 50s, Karen. Oh, late 50s, were you? Yeah, oh, sorry. I was, I was 56 oh. when it happened. Oh, 56. I thought you were 66 when it happened. Okay. Sorry, I'm making you older than you are. But he did take his time waking you up. <laughs> he did. I think he, see, he has impeccable timing, Karen, and he, he knew when, when was the right time to approach me so that I would be willing to listen to him and be willing to follow his guidance about writing my books and leaving my law career behind. So he had to pick the right time. Otherwise, he would have been wasting his time. If he had come to me when I was 35, I probably would have said, you know, get lost. I'm busy with my law practice, you know. Okay. So he, he had to choose a time when he knew that I would likely listen to him. And so he, that, that's how he picked it. You know, that's something I want to discuss in this discussion that we have today. So during your astral adventures and, and adventures in non-physical, you talk a lot about you know, people's contracts, their contracts before they come, their contract is not life, the right words. Life so plan. the yeah. life plan and the agreements that we make before we get here, because a lot of people ask about 
destiny versus deliberate creation. You know, how far can we create our life? Is there a plan? Is there a destiny for us? And a lot of people talk about this subject as either or, you know, yes, we're creating all that, or yes, there's a destiny that we have, we can't help, but it's really a mixture. Exactly. Could you talk to us a bit about that? Sure. Well, before we incarnate, we all prepare a life plan, as you mentioned. And in that, we sort of set out the major circumstances of our proposed lives. You know, things like where we're going to be born, the first language we learn, our names. We actually pick out our names. The identity of our parents, siblings, relatives, co-workers, and so on. And even our what we hope to be our future spouses. And so we pick that all out. And we do that for, for the purpose of trying to experience the things and learn the lessons that we need for our evolution. So it's all very deliberate. We do this ourselves. No one does it for us uh, and because we sort of know where we want to go. And every soul has their own unique path, their, their own journey, and, and no two paths are the same. And so whatever it is that you need to have in this next life, you plan for it. But that doesn't predetermine your life because once you're on earth, once you're born, you forget that you have a life plan and you have free will to take actions and make decisions. And so because of that, you often stray off course. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. you hope that you'll follow your path, but you know darn well you're liable to stray off course many times. And so that's why it's a mixture of two. It's sort of like the major things are set up. Like when you're born, you can't change where you're born or who your parents are. That's already, you know, that's already done. But, but as you go forward from there, you can, by your free will decisions, you can you know, make a wrong turn according to what you had in your life plan. And so it's all a, a bit of a it, – it's kind of like blindly floundering around a bit, um, except that um, you do get guidance from your spirit guides. And like most people mm-hmm. – uh, well, we all get guidance. Uh, for most people, it's not sort of a direct conversation like I have with Albert. Yep. For the most part, it's very subtle messages like, uh, you know, flashes of intuition, um, a gut feeling, coincidental events, that kind of thing. And we have to be sort of on our toes to sort of, you know, listen to them and figure out what, they, what they're saying and then try to follow them, which isn't always easy. And so that's part of the big challenge of being a human on, on Earth is uh, trying to figure out where you should be going and trying to listen to the messages from your guides. You know, that's that's so true. As a young girl, I wanted to do everything. I wanted to sing. I wanted to dance. I wanted to be a dress designer. Oh, my God, I wanted to play with all the toys in the toy shop. And that question of what am I supposed to do, what am I supposed to do was really big. And it wasn't until I started studying naturopathy that I found that doors just started flying open in my path. Like before it had been difficult, it had been difficult to get jobs, it had been difficult to do what I wanted to do, it was a struggle. But once I stepped onto my path, and that was the path of investigating who we are, what makes us healthy, what makes us who we are and what we're doing here, and that started with doing a naturopathy course, doors flew open. And that was my guidance telling me, you're on the right path. And even though I was interested in it somewhat, but I, I wouldn't say it was the most thing I was interested in because I was young and I was just exploring many paths. Yeah, when you're on your right path, that plan that we have, you're very much in a, a flow. You're very much like doors seem to fly open and it's easy. You know, things come easily to you. It's easy and you feel it as positive emotion is also our guidance because when it's hard and you struggle to get something done, that's your guidance system saying, maybe this isn't for you. It's easy for that person because that's their plan, but not easy for you because maybe this isn't your plan, no matter how much you love it, you know. 
Okay. That's very true. And, and like you say, when, when you're on the right path, you feel good. You feel like you're in balance with nature, with the world, with the universe. And, and you, as you say, things just flow naturally. They seem to just come e- easily. On the other hand, if you feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall, you're yeah. probably going down the wrong path. You should t- back up and find another route. <laughs> oh, my goodness. One of the things that we were talking about before is the angels. Let me just tell people what's going on in the book. So Dancing on a Stamp was when Albert was talking to you. He first turned up as this homeless man that only you could see, which I thought was hysterical, and you thought he was physical. In fact, you touched him and everything. He was he seemed physical to you, and yet he said to you that nobody else could see him. How that happens fascinates me. I'd love to know how that happens, but anyway. And then he turned up in your head and had a chat to you and then he took you on astral journeys at night, taking you to all sorts of different dimensions and places. And the third book, Dance of, Dance the of third Heavenly Bliss, Heavenly Bliss, is more of those journeys. But, gee, I was excited to read the third book because he told me about it last time. But my expectations were just, wow, the third book just goes into so many, so many things. So... This year, the year of the Chinese year of the monkey and the astrological uh, year or the numerological year nine is very much about change, transitioning, illumination. A lot of people have been saying that a lot of things that have been hidden to us are becoming, being illuminated, coming out to the light. And interestingly enough, in your book, a lot of so-called conspiracy theories are sort of put to rest as well. One of them being about Bigfoot and Sasquatch you have a chat yes. with a being. So years ago I heard Esther Hicks' channel, somebody said, "Is you know, are Bigfoot's real? The consciousness that is Abraham said, yes, they are a group of, you know, highly evolved beings that are choosing to have a wild and free existence on this dimension and choose not to be seen. And that's all that was said about it. And then I read your book and then, you know, in another channeling blog that's on the internet channeling Eric, Eric started talking about Sasquatch. And so all this information seems to be coming out now. And uh, do you want to talk about the Sasquatch and and what you learnt when you met? Sure. Well, it was one of my astro trips with Albert, and he took me to, uh, it was the Pacific Northwest in the the U.S., the middle of a very dense forest, sort of high up in the mountains. And we dropped down sort of in a uh, a little meadow that was sort of open. All of a sudden, behind a clump of bushes comes a Sasquatch. It was, uh, her name was Yolanda, about nine feet tall, was sort of like an ape-like head, dark brown fur covering her body. And uh, we communicated by telepathy. She basically said, you know, look at, we've been around for a long, long time for eons. We, you know, we're intelligent. We communicate by telepathy. She says, we have what's, what, the, what you might want to call sort of like an animal sensitive radar, which allows them to detect other animals, including humans, for miles around. And that's how they can, they've been able to avoid open contact with humans because the, they can detect them for long, long ways away. And she said some of them have, have been you know, seen occasionally when they, got, when they get a bit careless, but they're very careful to, to avoid contact. They live underground. They come out at night. And the reason they don't want to have contact with us is because they think that humans are violent and aggressive race. And they're just afraid that, uh, you know, they're peace-loving. They don't want to get into a fight with humans. They don't want to have any contact. So they've been hiding themselves. And they're on all continents except Antarctica. They started, she said, a long, long time ago when an extraterrestrial race of humanoids inseminated 
primate, a giant primate that lived on Earth, now extinct, and they're the children of, of that fertilization. And uh, they're real, and, and, they, and they just choose not to be detected, not to have any contact, and they won't, she said, until humans sort of get their act together and quit being so violent and aggressive, which hopefully yeah. we can reach someday, but uh, we're yeah. not there yet. Not there yet. Well, it's interesting because there seems to be a lot of information coming out about them now, so they're becoming less secretive, I suppose, amongst within the conscious community anyway, within the people that, you know, understand that this information is not just the ramblings of some crazy person. And <laughs> what I wanted to ask you, though, when you communicated with, uh, what was her name, the Sasquatch? Yolanda. Yolanda. Or, oh, sorry, sorry, no, no, it's Zana. Yeah. Zana. Yolanda uh, was the orca, so I'm getting my names mixed up. Okay. Yeah, she, was in, she was in her physical form and you were in your astral form, or were you talking to the astral body of her? No, she was in physical form and I was in astral form, so was Albert, but she could see us and she could communicate with us. So that's how we so, communicated. So basically these are interdimensional beings that can actually see with their physical eyes, they can see subtle energy. Yes. I don't know if they could see it all the time or maybe Albert kind of arranged for a special connection. I'm not sure how that happened, but I know she could see us and uh, I could certainly see her and we just communicated by telepathy. So I'm not sure whether they could do that all the time or not. But uh, anyway, we had no trouble uh, talking to each other. It was a very enlightening conversation. Yeah, because with your journeys with Albert in this third book, you, you, you communicate with so many different people. You communicate with the astral body of some people and the physical body of others in, in different dimensions and on different planets and different aliens. Oh, my God, there's so much. You know, I, I've, I I've written a few of it down. You had a chat with Lucifer, who was an angel, and you said, yes. you've got me all wrong, Lucifer, and Athena. Yes. And you had a chat with guardian angels and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, you had a chat with him in um, non-physical with the spirit that was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, which was yep. interesting. You went to a spirit hospital and you had a chat with the um, non-physical astral body, for a better word, uh, soul of a terrorist, which was fascinating. Yes. And, and you had a bit of a chat to him about what choices he was making and why did you do that and how do you see that from this perspective? Fascinating. And also of a gay man who died of AIDS and a suicide. You had a bit of a chat to a suicide. You also had a bit of a chat to someone who was a prostitute in her life and you, again, asked her about her decisions. And a modern-day guru who knew how to levitate. So he was in physical form, the modern-day guru that knew yes, how to levitate. Yep. And he, so you were talking to the physical form like as if a spirit would come to me and talk to me now, mm -hmm. but he could also see you and talk yes. to you. Yep. How did that work? Again, I don't know whether he could see spirits all the time or whether Albert somehow arranged a special communication channel. Don't know. didn't ask Albert that. But the, the guru could certainly see us, and we communicated by telepathy again. And, but he was physical form, and it was really quite fascinating because, as I say in my book, he was in deep meditation. All of a sudden, he just levitated off the mat, and it started slowly spinning around. For a few minutes and then sat back down and, and kind of looked at me and winked and said see what you can do if you get into deep meditation <laughs> it was really, really interesting really honing your focus really yeah honing your focus i mean that you know as a teacher of deliberate creation that is the power of our thoughts you know we can create anything we can levitate if we want to but it really takes the power of focus, like you've got to not be it's distracted. It's got to be focused thoughts. And, and, and Albert took me, how we ended up there was that um, I had met with uh, some of the masters on the spirit side, like Moses and 
Jesus, who were who when they walked the earth, they were masters. They performed their quote miracles through the the power of focused thoughts, and so they they learned how to tap into the energy of the universe, and so that's how they created their their miracles, walked on water and part of the Red Sea and all that sort of stuff. So he said to me that it, it's just not historical times that these miracles happened, but they happen today. Uh, some people can do them. So then he took me to visit this this guru in in India. And there he was, he just levitated himself up and he said, focus your thoughts through meditation. And he said, you could do this too. I doubt that I can, but <laughs> he, he certainly threw down the gauntlet and said, you know, if you, really, if you really want to, eventually you can do it. And so he was sort of the live demonstration of a, of a current modern day master who is performing what we would call miracles. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, my guides say that to me, you know, that life is a journey of infinite possibility and that you can create anything, you know, anything is possible, anything that you can dream of is possible. One, you have to come into alignment with the belief that it is, and two, you have to be really selective in where you're placing your thoughts. And in this day and age, you know, we have so many distractions. It's even harder to direct your thoughts because we've got phones going off and things on the internet and cars and people, you know, like we're scattered, our thoughts are scattered, they're not that directed. So it's almost easier and harder to be deliberate in our creation. Well, it's, it's harder, like you say, in a lot of ways, because we have so many distractions. You know, we have television, computers and smartphones and tablets and all that sort of stuff. So our mind is sort of, be, you know, being pulled in many different directions. And so it's really hard to sort of sit down and be quiet and, and focus probably a lot easier if you're in a monastery in northern India where they don't have any of that, uh, right. but still it takes some determination. I mean, it's not easy for you or me to, to, to pack up and head off to northern India and, and spend some time in a monastery so we can learn how to do this. It's just not feasible for most of us, but, you know, we can do it where we are. It's really hard, though. Yeah, look, I've often thought about it, Garnet, going to a monastery and hanging out, meditating and doing nothing for a while. Okay, so who else um, paranormal activity on Earth? And the ghost, what was that? You talked to a ghost and the ghost? You talked yes. to... Yeah, and, and, and uh, I had been watching a TV show where they were, you know, with these paranormal investigators were, you know, searching out this house because the, the, the residents thought it was haunted. And so I asked Albert about that because I'd always been curious about, well, are there ghosts? Are they really ghosts? And if so, who are they? So he took me to this mansion that happened to be featured on this TV show in, in England, in the Cotswolds. And there we did see a spirit. Her, she was the, the, the soul of a lady named Anne who had lived in that house with her husband and her kids in the 1800s or whatever. And uh, what had happened was that her husband was away on business one night and uh, a burglar broke in. And when Anne heard the burglar, went downstairs and saw this burglar loading up a sack with her silverware... And the burglar got scared and went up to her and stabbed her to death violently. And so Anne's spirit, of course, left her body. But Anne was a bit confused and a bit upset. And so instead of journeying on to the spirit side and making a transition, she hung around and she didn't quite uh, want to believe that, that she had died. So she hung around hoping to look after her children and make sure they were lo looked after. Eventually, though, her husband died and her children moved out and other people bought the house and moved in. And she didn't, didn't know what these strangers were doing in her house. And so she did all kinds of things like slamming cupboard doors and turning lights on and off and stuff like that to sort of scare them away. Because she thought once they were gone, her children could come back and she could watch over them again. And so she was just a bit confused. 
and she was what you would call typically, uh, you know, a ghost. That that would what, what people often see, uh, you know, in terms of haunted houses and so on. And so Albert just explained that that you know uh, these souls who are who are a bit uh, confused and uh, a bit disoriented, they're never left on the earth plane forever. I mean. Uh, 200 years on, uh, in earth time is like a blink of an eye in a spirit side. So to them, 200 years is nothing. And so he said, eventually, uh, they will get the message from their guides and, and, and appreciate who they are, where they should be going, and be led back to the spirit side. And so when I was watching with Albert, uh, her guides actually did come, wrapped her in a, in a warm embrace of love, uh, and finally convinced her that, um, you know, you're a soul, your physical body is dead, come with us to the spirit side, which is really your home. And so then she just left, and so it was really quite an amazing, uh, amazing ending to the story. And this poor soul finally got back where she, where she belonged, back on the spirit side, uh, you know. And 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 so Albert said, does happen occasionally. So when people say, I saw a ghost, my house is haunted, it could well be one of these disoriented spirits who just haven't quite gotten hold of the fact that their physical body is dead and they should move on to the spirit side. So very interesting. Uh, you know, little uh, episode, and it had a very happy ending for Anne. And of course, it, it was not possible that she would ever be lost forever. It was just a matter of, uh, you know, her guides getting her attention and say, "Come with us, and we're going to take you back to the spirit side." So, that's, that's the story of the ghost that I saw. Yeah, that's really interesting because you know, like Esther Hicks says, that as soon as we leave our body, we reemerge back into pure positive energy. We go back to that heavenly bliss, if you like. So, I don't understand how when she's left her body, how she could be so confused about who she is because it seems to be when you leave your physical body, you sort of leave behind a lot of your negative emotions. How does all that work? I, I don't really understand. I mean, you did say in the book that it's very rare that, you know, the, that ghosts and hauntings are not something that happens a lot and probably what a lot of people think are ghosts or hauntings are not or they're just thought forms that are left behind, you know, people's lives the the idea of their life the thoughts and their memories are left behind and you can tap into that as a psychic they're not always you know these discarnate souls i don't know really what to call them do you know how that works yeah not entirely sure but you know as albert said for most of us as soon as we leave our bodies we know we just quickly make the transition to the spirit side and, and we sort of know who we are and we're looking forward to greeting our welcoming party when we get across to the spirit side but for some reason he said people who are you know, particularly people who've died a very tragic death or people who really feel like the their life, physical life has ended too soon and, and that they really want to finish something that they've that, that they've left on earth. So sometimes they will just uh, just by sheer will. I mean, he, he basically says when you pass away, you can you can create your own reality for a time, even if that reality doesn't coincide with the actual reality of the spirit side. So you can if you're very determined, you know, you can you can temporarily create the reality that you think should be yours you know, when you pass on. And so with a ghost, I assume that that's, uh, they're just creating their own, temporarily their own reality and blocking out the memories of the spirit side and where they should be going. So it, it's kind of a, a rare phenomenon. I don't understand it entirely myself, but he wanted to show me how it is that sometimes ghosts can actually hang around for a little while before they move over to the spirit side. But it was interesting that he showed you her her awakening, I suppose, and going back home. I mean, it took them two, 200 years to really, I don't know, they kind of let her, they just left her alone for 200 years. They really didn't make her uh, return to pure positive energy. They just sort of left her in her 
in her misery. She was sort of like miserable because she wanted to be with her children, like she was aching. That kind of kept her earthbound. Yeah, but it goes back to the fact that there is no time, linear time yeah. on the spirit side. So yeah. we, we think 200 years is a long time to leave this poor spirit floundering away in, in, in between earth and the spirit side. To them, it's sort of like, well, it's like a half a second, you know. So yeah. they don't think that they're really abandoning her. They're just sort of like, okay, we'll move in when she's ready and, and, and it doesn't cause any harm because there's no deadlines or timetables for souls. It yeah, doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah how quickly you evolve or how slowly or whatever, like there's time is eternity. And so yeah, it doesn't yeah. really matter. See, that's something that when we're, we're talking about this, you know, subject that we get so confused because we have this concept of time and place. And when you're talking spirit, there is no time and place that, you know, all lives are happening. Simul- you know, it's all happening in the, in the now. Everything's happening in the now, which is something that's hard to wrap our heads around. That's that's a very hard concept, one that I still have trouble with. Um, but basically, I, I mean, and I explore this a bit in my fourth book, which I'm writing right now, is that um, I, I, I raised the topic with Albert again. I said, well, if all of my lives are happening all at once, then how can I learn from each life as I move into the next life? He says, well, they all happen concurrently, but you experience them in a sequence. So that from your perspective, a life you had in the 16th century happened before a life in the 17th century. And that's staged very deliberately. That's, that's how you focus and experience things so that the mistakes you made in, in one life, you can learn from that and build on it as you plan your next life and live your next life and so on and so forth. So it's, it's kind of a, it's sort of an oxymoron. It's like a concurrent sequence or a sequential concurrence, if you like. <laughs> It, it, it's, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around it because it, it just to us we're, we're so uh, involved with linear time on earth that to think that there is no past or future there's only the present doesn't make any sense to us no he, I says, know. he said don't worry about it he's he often said don't struggle with that concept because you have to deal with the limitations of your puny human mind so don't <laughs> worry about it you'll figure it out when you get back to the spirit side our puny human mind yeah but this puny human minds you know we we want to know and we want to know like even though inside us there we have all the answers and we have access to all the answers we still want to know from from the level of our puny human minds (laughs) uh, albert likes to take shots at me every once in a while as you probably noticed and uh so it's quite i'm quite used to this anyway he, he likes to poke pokes fun at my human foibles of which i have many and uh, so it's, it's a good relationship. But, but anyway, he is right. He, he basically saying, you, you're not going to fully understand this as a human, so don't worry about it. You'll figure it out when you get back to the spirit side. So that's another question I had for you too, Garnet. Because a lot of the education that you're getting is in your astral form, so you're leaving your physical body at night and you're in your astral form, which is like a replication of your physical body, but it's a body of light. So it's a lighter frequency. It's vibrating at a different frequency level bandwidth and therefore our physical senses mostly cannot perceive the astral body you're still kind of hanging on to your human you know your puny human mind as you're adventuring in different dimensions now that's something that confused me as well I was thinking that as you go into different frequencies and different dimensions where there's a higher different availability of access of information and infiniteness and all there is but you seem to be traveling there with your same mind that is garnet 
You know, you yeah. don't seem to be expanded. Like you don't seem to be the oversoul or the higher self of Garnet. You seem to be the personality that is Garnet that's traveling. So that was something I was confused about. How does all that work? Well, that was a special arrangement because when I, when I die and I cross over to the spirit side, it, it, same with everyone, then all of a sudden we re reacquire all of our memories, all of our knowledge from uh, before on the spirit side, memories of all our previous lives. So we have greatly expanded knowledge and, and awareness when we cross over, you know, permanently to the spirit side. But when I was in, traveling astrally with, with Albert, you're right, I basically didn't have access to that. He arranged it so that I wouldn't uh, because he didn't want me to all of a sudden go over there and then say, oh, so that's what's my life plan and this is what I did before and so on. You know, that, that would have messed up my current incarnation. So he sort of shielded me from that. And so I had sort of like I'm traveling in astral form but with my human mind and memories and so he, uh, he sort of put a, a limiting factor on on my astral travels. And that's, I don't, I don't know how he did it. I mean, they can do amazing things over there. Uh, but he just explained it to me that that's why I didn't suddenly remember everything I'd done before or what was in my life plan. He said that was not for me to remember. And so, therefore, I had a sort of a, a limited exposure uh, in my astral travels using my human mind and human memory. So it was a bit of a different kind of drip. Albert seems to have a lot of power over the, the non-physical seems to have a lot of intervention over the physical and yet and yet there's still free will like um so okay so let's get back to the angels you spoke to your guardian angel and you know a lot of people talk about angels and a lot of people say that we have a guardian angel and when people come to see me often they say do I have a guardian angel and how many and do I have spirit guides and all that so they're always asking and and obviously each person, depending on what they're doing with their physical life, has different people in non-physical helping them. But everyone has a guardian angel and you spoke to yours and her specific job was to stop you from killing yourself before your time. <laughs> and you yeah. said to her, oh, well, you wouldn't have had much to do because I've led a very, you know, safe life. And she said, let me just tell you. And she just listed all these times where you nearly killed yourself. Tell us more about that. Yeah, she said, basically, I, I've saved your butt more times than you could even count, you know. And, uh, it, yeah, so it was on the spirit side, and we and Albert took me to meet uh, Anna Peel, you know, one of my guardian angels. And she said, lovely lady, beautiful. She didn't have white wings, but she was very lovely lady. She said, yeah, I've been your guardian angel since you were born. And my job is to make sure that the conflict or the clash of free wills on earth doesn't result in you suffering an untimely death before your soul was ready to to leave so just back up a step albert says that our that we die not by accident but we die when our soul was ready to leave so no one dies by accident so even if there's 300 people who die in a plane crash their souls all decided that that was the time and the place to leave to, to exit the the incarnations so i said well okay well that's fine but but uh, but how can they you know with all this clash of free wills going on with humans running around and they don't remember what's in their life plan or that they even have one and they're all sort of doing their own thing. How can you sort of prevent sort of an accidental death that's not foreseen by your soul? And he said, well, that's where you, the, she said, that's where the guardian angel comes in because we're there to make sure that doesn't happen. So if somebody dies in a car accident, uh, it, it's, it's, it's because their soul chose to leave at that time. And if, if the soul wasn't ready to go, we're there to make sure it doesn't happen. So for example, if you're on the way to the airport to catch a plane and they can foresee that that plane is going to crash, she will send a strong message to you that maybe you should change your plans 
come up with some reason for you to, you know, strong intuitive flash, maybe I shouldn't go. And if that doesn't happen, they'll make your, your, your tire go flat on the way to the airport so you miss the plane. Those mm -hmm. are just examples of various things they do. Mm -hmm. and, and, and most of the time, uh, we're not aware of these things, these interventions. Mm -hmm. They sort of just, you, you know, you might have a lucky brush with something and say, oh, I, I'm lucky to have escaped that one. Well, chances are your guardian angel was doing something to make sure you didn't meet your death there. And so she says it's constant. And when she, and like you said, I, I said, you know, I don't remember any close calls in my life. She, well, she named off three of them. And, I, when I, and I'm thinking back on it and I thought, okay, well, I guess you're right. You know, I didn't realize it at the time, but she was there you know, physically intervening to make sure that I didn't suffer an untimely death. One was when you were a child and you ran out on the road and she stopped a car from hitting you. Yeah, and right? actually, when she mentioned that, I actually remembered that I, I, the recollection mm -hmm. came back that I was, yeah, mm -hmm. I was, uh, the ball had run on the street and I, I ran out in between parked cars, not looking, and this car mm -hmm. was coming, you know, from the left and just mm -hmm. slammed on its brakes and it came about that far from hitting me. Mm -hmm. And uh, Anna Peel says, well, guess what? I was there pushing that car to a stop so that you, you didn't smash into your foolish little body. <laughs> and so, so that, and, and, and it, the recollection just came back and I just thought, well, I, I was just lucky that the car, the, the driver was able to stop on time, but he had a little help. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, help from non-physical, from seemingly invisible, non-physical. You know, I had an experience that happened to me quite a few years ago, probably about 12 or 15 years ago. I had someone staying in my house and I was very much cleaning up my thoughts and trying to be more, you know, raise my vibratory rate, as Albert talks, says, you know, raise my vibration and be more, more deliberate in my thinking and therefore more of a powerful, deliberate creator. But I was having very critical thoughts of this person sitting next to me in the car blabbing away and my puny little critical mind was going, oh, shut up in my head. I'm thinking, you're driving me crazy. I wish you'd just shut up and go away. Very critical of my thinking. And I was going up a hill and a van stopped in front of me and I slammed on the brakes and there was nothing wrong with my brakes and there was nothing wrong with my car. And yet my car kept going, but it was moving up a hill. It wasn't going down a hill. It was moving... And I had a direct experience of feeling that intervention. I knew that some force was pushing my car into the back of this man's van. And it was like a message for me to just like clean up those thoughts, Karen, get rid of those crit critical thoughts. You know, they smashed me into the back of a van. It was so visceral. I knew that the angels had done that to me because I was traveling up a hill and yet I put my foot on the brake and the car kept going there's nothing wrong with my brakes so it's amazing how much intervention they have in our lives really isn't there yeah and, and, and most people don't ever realize it I mean that was one example for you and the example she gave about my life I didn't realize it at the time but I sort of twigged onto it when she reminded me of them and then that was just an example there's probably a whole lot more you know, so it happens all the time. They're sort of our invisible guardians who don't really show up, but they're there to help us to make sure that our soul gets the right to choose when we leave the incarnation. So that's their, that's their duty. I, I said to him, well, so if somebody dies in a car accident, what happened? Was the guardian yeah. angel asleep at the switch? And he said, no, <laughs> the soul decided that was time to leave. And the guardian angel said, fine, your choice. We'll let the accident happen. So that's yeah. how it all works. Mm -hmm. So there are no accidents. There, is, there are no, no, accidents. no accidental deaths. You know, when, when, when people die, it's because their soul chose to leave. So whether it's a car accident or terminal cancer or a heart attack, whatever, the, the soul chose that time to, make the, to, to, to leave the incarnation. And, of course, our human minds aren't aware of that choice. Probably a good thing. 
but it's our it's, it's up to our souls and so they have the and, and the guardian angels are there to make sure that that your soul's choice is always implemented and protected yeah yeah absolutely well look we're running out of time because we've only got the hour and there's so much that i wanted to discuss with you and i've got a few people asking questions but one of the um, things that i love about your message is i asked you in the first book you know in the first interview what were some of the most astounding things that you learned from albert and you said that every death is planned that there are there are no and for people that lose especially mothers that lose children and people that lose people that seems to be you know, death is something that seems to create some of the worst experiences emotionally for people. It's it's a kind of it's a comforting thought to think that that exit point was no accident, that that was their choice to leave, even if it was a dreadful accident, blown up in a bomb blast or in a plane crash or hit by a car or anything. So that's, that's right. And so, if, if parents lose a six-year-old child in an accident, it, it'd be much easier for them if they realized that that soul chose that point to exit. And that, that, that little girl's soul is on the spirit side, very well looked after, very happy, waiting for them when they cross over themselves. So everyone, if everyone realized that, mm-hmm. you know, experiencing a, a, a death like that would be so much easier on them. And, yeah, and so exactly. that's just part of the message that Albert wanted to get out to everyone. Yeah. We've got a couple of questions here. Someone says, is there any scientific evidence of out-of-body experience? I don't know if we're going to answer that question because there's so much scientific evidence of that. And, uh, and Garnet confirms many things that Kiwani says about Sasquatch, FYI. And um, somebody wants to dial in Ellis, but we're not going to put you on Ellis. If you want to ask a question, please do so. Ask it in the chat room. So at the beginning of the book, you, you have a, a big... It's, it's really interesting, Garnet, because, because you're having these out-of-body or broader perspective experiences with your still with your... I hate to use Albert's word, but with your puny, you know, physical <laughs> mind, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you're experiencing a lot of things that are going on on our planet, like the pollution and, uh, and th- like the beginning of the third book is kind of frightening. But again, you're sort of seeing it from the perspective of it's broken and it needs to be fixed, which is, again, a concept of the puny mind, you know, because I think from broader perspective, as much as things need to be fixed, everything seems to be perfect, in many ways, because it's all an unfolding and an evolution. Do you want to talk a little bit about about that? Yeah, and, and the reason that Albert took me to see the, some of the, the, the scenes of animal cruelty and pollution and so on, is he basically wanted to, in his words, hit me over the head with a two-by-four, make me realize that uh, there are a lot of the stuff happening on our planet. You know, sometimes we live in our own little world, and we sort of shut out all the bad stuff, and we or we choose not to focus on it. And he and he wanted to just to demonstrate to me that look, at, there is a lot of this stuff happening, and it was a, a wake up call. Like, okay, we, we have to do something about this. We have to we have to get our our fellow humans to uh, to, to wake up to the problem and to quit the abuse and to help us sort of uh, uh, you know take a few steps on the on the path to spiritual enlightenment. And, and that's sort of one of my message and the reason that he chose me as one of his messengers. So he, he just wanted to show me the bad stuff, but he did then did show me some of the good stuff that happens on our planet. And he basically mm-hmm. said, look, it, it's not a hopeless cause. Um, we've come a long way in the last while and that uh, we just have to focus and spread the word to all humans about where we should be heading and what we should and, we, and stopping the abuse. And then we can all sort of raise our vibrations and move up to where we should be going. So it was, a, it was a bit of a, you know, uh, some of those scenes I saw that he showed me were quite frightening and 
disheartening and you know it's like oh my god do we really do this but we do not everyone but some of us do it but it's up to the ones who are enlightened to convince the other humans to uh to, to see the light and follow the path i'm shifting my attention beyond the simulation i'm setting my intention at the highest vibration this is the ascension the ascension to the fifth dimension this is the Sanchez, Plato Music. It's called Finding My Heart. Here's more of my conversation with the fabulous Garnet Schulhauser. So when you do go out of your body, like you said in the first book, when you do go out of your body, you go and have a chat. This is from Kristen to her question. You go and have a chat with the Council of Wise Ones, which are a council of high non-physical beings, dimensional beings that are overseeing our planet and and they seem to have input into what happens, but kind of input and no input because of this free will thing. So could you expand on the Council of Wise Ones and, and who they are and what sort of input do they have on our physical reality in this planet? Well, it, it's a council of, uh, of very wise, advanced souls. 
and they've all had lots of lives on Earth, so they have lots of experience on our Earth plane. Uh, so, so they can they're in a position to sort of understand how the cycle of reincarnation works, and they're there to oversee all the incarnations on Earth. And so, what they do is they help, you know, other souls plan their life plans and, and to figure out where they should be going and what sort of experiences they should have. And, and they're there sort of an advisory capacity. They don't dictate the life plans to anyone. Uh, they don't say, you know, you have to put this in or that. They'll just give advice. And, and they have very sage advice because they've been around the, the block many times. So they know exactly what's happening on this earth plane. So they're a very valuable resource. And I, and I witnessed a, a life planning session, uh, actually a couple now, where they basically give some good advice to souls before they're incarnating. In some cases, a lot of cases, new souls put in too many difficult challenges and they end up biting off more than they can chew. And so the council will then say, well, you know, maybe that's a little ambitious. Maybe you should back off a bit and do this much in this life and do the other ones in the next life. Because uh, if you become too overwhelmed as a soul, uh, then you kind of just lose lose control and lose sight of what you're supposed to be doing and you end up sort of wasting a lot of your life. So they're there to give valuable advice. Now, in terms of who they are, uh, well, Al Albert calls them masters. Uh, he doesn't use the term ascended, but he calls them masters. Uh, they've been around a lot. They no longer need to incarnate on Earth for their own benefit. They're there to help other souls with their journeys. And, and, and in terms of how they're appointed, I'm not really sure. I did have a conversation with the chair of the Council, Sophia. And this is in my fourth book. And she basically said that she had several hundred lives on Earth, had uh, gone off and done some other lives on other planets, um, had actually been uh, a representative of, of one of her races on the Galactic Council. And then when that life was finished, she came back to the spirit side. And she said that she was recruited to join the Council of Wise Ones. And I didn't ask her how or, or who did the recruiting. I expected it was other members of the council said to her, you know, we have a vacancy here. Would you like to join us? And she ended up being the chair of the Council of Wise Ones. So that's how she got there. Next time I, I meet up with her, I'm going to ask her, well, who actually does the recruiting? It, it never occurred to me to ask that question. It just seemed to flow naturally, like I was recruited. Okay, here I am. And that seemed to make sense to me. So anyway, that's who she is. Same with the other members of the council. They perform the same function. Um, and they're all very wise and advanced souls who... Uh, who, uh, who've been around on the earth plane so many times that they pretty much know the territory and can give us some very valuable advice to the rest of us who are, you know, feeling our way through. Wow. Amazing. Oh, amazing. There's a few questions here. Perfectly answered. Thank you, Garnet and Karen. And do they believe in God? Someone says. Does who <laughs> believe in God? Do, do I? <laughs> the council of wise ones. Oh, well, it, 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 it's a bit of a, it's a question that you would never ask on the spirit side because once you're there, Everyone knows that we're all part of the source, you know, yeah. my, my term for God. So, so you just know automatically you're part of the source. You know, you're an individual aspect of the source. So it's not a question of believing it. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's just a natural understanding you have when you're on the other side. Humans on earth, you know, some of us have believe in God and some don't. And, and a lot of religions tell us about their vision of what God is, which doesn't really coincide with what Albert tells me about the source. But humans always have a, that question to the forefront of their minds. When you're on the spirit side as a spirit, it's just it's just a given. It's like, of course, I believe in God. I'm part of God. Now, that's something else that happens in your third book. You, you have a chat or you watch, you witness new souls being born. 
So it's kind of like, you know, from our puny little minds, it's hard to understand, but let's, let's try and go there. It's like a big sun, let's call it a ball of energy like the sun and and then little blobs of it come out, you know, that's like a ball of energy, and that's a new soul. It's been described in another channeling through the Eric channelings, channeling Eric. It's like a hologram. So it's a piece of the whole, but in the piece is the whole. So like DNA holds, you can take a a cell, and inside the cell is the DNA which makes the whole human. So it's a piece, but it's a whole. So we're we're a part of God, but we are God at the same time. It's, It's like our soul is. So it's really interesting. And you talk to these new souls, and they have a little school. They go to school, and they, do you want to talk a bit more about that? Sure. Well, it, it, Albert took me to, it was like this ball of energy, as you say. Albert called it the birthing sun, which is where new souls are sort of spun out. And I can, as, as I'm sitting there watching, uh, these little balls of light just sort of spin out from the, from the central sun. And those are new souls. And, and they all went to a planet nearby where they had an orientation about incarnating on the denser planes. Because for them, it's sort of like they've had no experience whatsoever. So they got an orientation. And of course, then they can sort of pick out where do I want to incarnate, first of all. So that's just the beginning of their journey, but they're still part of the source. So they're individual aspects of the source. But once they spin out, they remain part of the source, but they also start accumulating their own uh, memories, their own history, their own personality. And so as souls progress, you retain your personality, but you're still part of of the whole. So it's kind of a not easy for us to understand, but that's sort of how it works. And so, you know, that's why every soul has a different path. Because depending on where they incarnated and the things they experience, they all have slightly different memories, slightly different accumulations of wisdom, and certainly different personalities. When you die, you don't lose your personality. It's, it's basically there, carries forward onto the spirit side. Yeah, absolutely. And you said that, you know, as they're contemplating having experiences on the denser planes, like physical experiences, obviously some don't choose to come to the de- denser planes or... I don't know how choice come, you know, if you've just spun out from the central sun and you've had no experience, I don't know how choice happens. Does does the council of wise ones choose for them or do you choose? Well, every soul chooses for themselves, but they get a lot of advice from the council of wise ones, especially okay. new souls. It's sort of like, okay, where should I incarnate? Where should I go? What should I do? You know, uh, and, and then as they have more and more lives, they can figure out more of this for themselves. So very experienced souls don't need a lot of advice from the council of wise ones. The new souls, they need a lot. And so yeah. it's, that's yeah. where they get advice from. Yeah. And some choose not to incarnate on, on denser planes, like to have experiences on higher dimensional planes and different planets yeah. with different rules. And, you know, some don't have food and there's no negative emotion. There's a whole lot of different things that, are, you know, it's infinite, infinite what Absolutely. experiences. Just, whew. Yeah. And, um you know, one of the things I wanted to say to you, I thought, you know, being in this new age sort of spiritual industry for so many years, uh, I thought I knew a lot. But when I read your third book, I realized that I know nothing. <laughs> so, there's just so much out there. But you're way ahead of me. <laughs> there's, so much, there's so much out there to know. There's just so much out there to yeah. know. It's just mind-blowing, absolutely, for our puny little minds. Yeah, so the new souls. Oh, look, Garnet, we have to go because it's on the hour. And people are asking questions. We'll have to do this again, Garnet. I'd love to. Um, oh, yeah, get I'd love to together. do it again, Karen. And thank you for inviting me. And for anyone who has a question that we didn't get to, please send me an email. I'll be happy to answer it by email. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we'll get together with Garnet and maybe a couple of the other fabulous people that I interviewed last year, like there's Natalie Sudman and Nancy Rhines and Dr. Elisa Medhus, and we'll get a bit of a discussion going and um, put up another blab and, and explore this further, do some more exploring of all the information together because it's it's fascinating. It all You all confirm you know, the same information, but you kind of come at it with different perspective. It's really, it's really, it's really fascinating. I look forward to the next, to, to the next show and, and, and to having that sort of a dialogue, as you mentioned, uh, Karen. That'd be great. Before we go quickly, just tell us what the fourth book is about. Now I can't wait to read the fourth book. I have to wait. <laughs> well, the fourth book is more astral journeys with Albert, and he takes me to different places. I speak with different spirits, and it's, it's, it's all, of course, very different. But uh, it's all part of the, the learning experience, part of Albert's message to humanity. And they're all, there's a different message in each visit, each astral trip. And that's what the fourth book is about. And uh, that I'm, I'm still working on the manuscript, okay. but it should be out sometime in the next year, I hope. I don't know. I'll, I'll keep you posted, mm -hmm. Karen. Keep, keep you posted. So I suppose there's really not one. Is there one main message in the third book that's different to the other two? I just, there's just so many messages. I, I, yeah, it's hard to pick up one main message, but I would think that what Albert was trying to show us is that, you know, particularly when I'm talking to, to, to the various spirits who've had different lives on Earth, like the, the terrorist and the, the guy who committed suicide and the prostitute and the, the gay guy, is for him, you know, and then the, the, the one amazing thing was the conversation I had with Jesus Christ and Adolf Hitler, is to bring home the point that we're all souls having different journeys and that, you know, whatever we do on earth, we, we leave it behind other than the lessons we've learned. And we come back to the spirit side, we're back where we belong as a, as a being of energy and that no one there has any resentment or, or, uh, or feels any hatred or need for revenge, mm -hmm. but anyone who did them harm while on earth and that we shouldn't judge people on earth. You know, the people who we think are doing bad things or who are not looking after themselves or whatever, we shouldn't judge them because we don't know what they had in their life plan. We don't know where they've been and we don't know where they're going. So we should just not judge people and appreciate everyone's on their own soul journey or every soul's in a human body and that we're all going to end up back in the same place. And if we understand that, we'll get along much better. It's a brilliant message. And to raise our vibratory rate, yeah, we have to really get rid of that judgment and live and let Absolutely. live and and know that everyone's having a different experience and not to judge other people's experience. Thank you so much, Garnet, for talking with us again. You've been listening to Karen Swain on Accentuate the Positive for Soul Traveller Radio. Soultravelerradio.net is all conscious music all the time and it has some great shows. Mine is one of them that I play on there so you can hear this again on Soul Traveller Radio and I'll also upload this to YouTube later. This will also stay on this platform actually. It'll stay on Blab for a while and people can revisit it. And also if you want to get Garnet's books, head over to Garnet's website. Which is garnetschulhauser.com. That's hard to remember. So if you Google dancing on a stamp, You'll get to my website, and there you can. There's buy links to to buy all my books, uh, information on all the books, and uh, and my email address is there. And if anybody uh, wants to contact me, please do so. And thank you for inviting Absolutely. me, Karen. It's been wonderful. Absolutely. And if you want to see our first conversation, just head over to karenswain.com, put in Garland Schulhauser, and you'll see our first conversation. And I'll upload this second conversation when I upload it to YouTube. Thank you so much. Bye -bye. Blessings. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening. Isn't Garnet fantastic? I just love Garnet Schulhauser. Remember to support positive and enlightened media. Go to Soul Traveller Radio on Facebook and like us and support us. Also, accentuate the positive with Karen Swain on Facebook and hit that like button. We really appreciate you helping us spread the message of love and enlightenment. Tell your friends about Soul Traveller Radio and get them to tune in. Now available on a mobile app for iOS and Android. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Karen Swain on Accentuate the Positive Radio on Soul Traveller Radio, the home of conscious music. Wanting to know how to move forward with your life? Do you want to know how you make a difference in the world? Come and have a reading with me, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation. Through me, you'll speak with my guides, blissful beings. They bring you a broader perspective of who you are and what's possible. Readings available from anywhere in the world on Skype. Book a session today. Go to karenswain.com. K-A-R-E-N. S-W-A-I-N.